Hey everybody, welcome to the Balance Boss Podcast. I am your host, Lauren Zoller, and today's guest is Maury Fontanez. Maury is a purpose coach and the founder and CEO of the 822 Group. After noticing a widespread sense of frustration and lack of passion among colleagues and clients in the corporate world, Maury founded the 822 Group as a transformation consultancy. At 822, Maury works with clients to reconnect them to their higher purpose and thereby reveals the boundless opportunity they've been seeking. Through a tailored approach, she gets to the root of systemic issues, builds visionary leaders, inspires the workforce, and creates purpose-driven leaders and brands that connect with their employees and customers. Maury's work has been written up in Business Insider, Conscious Company, Doing Business, Kivo Daily, and more. I'm so excited to have Maury on the show today. Without further ado, let's jump right in. Welcome to the Balanced Boss Podcast where we discuss how to live abundantly in all areas of your life. Here is your host and work-life balance coach, Lauren Zola. Maury, welcome to the show. Hi, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I always start the Balance Boss podcast with an intention setting which I know that you're a coach, so you probably are going to knock this out of the ballpark, but I'm actually going to have you set the intention for how you want the listeners to feel as a result of our conversation together today, or how you want them to feel as we're speaking today. Absolutely. I think the one word is empowered. I want listeners to feel throughout this conversation, like they're getting closer and closer to reclaiming their own inherent instinctual power uh, and that that connection is there for them always. I love it so much. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Because I know that that empowerment piece Mm -hmm. is very closely linked to who you are and how you show up in the world. So can you talk about your time and corporate strategy and what led you into the entrepreneurial and coaching world? Absolutely. I spent about 20 years on the agency side. So on marketing, crisis, PR, uh, and change management. And through that time, I had the opportunity to work with some incredible brands, um, a lot of Fortune 50 companies with a lot of complex issues. And I think particularly in the change and crisis management space, what I really began to notice is that when the leaders themselves were coming from a place of chaos, unresolved internal chaos, uh, very naturally their team or their organization also was chaotic. And that's where the light bulb really started for me. Um, I really believe in purpose. That's why I'm a purpose coach. And I've spent a lot of time doing the work to figure out my own. And I've really realized that purpose is the antidote to that chaos, to our internal chaos and to responding to external chaos. So after having the opportunity to kind of manage these issues in a more um, kind of shallow level, I felt like it was time to really dive deep to the core of where the issues come from and help leaders and their organizations come out of that chaotic state, which is where 822 Group was born from. I love it so much. So this was kind of like a natural progression for you to step into this space. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I will tell you, it was obviously frightening because it was something that was not in my vocabulary. Um, <laughs> again, being on the corporate side, you, you, you do very certain things and purpose coach or they're looking for your purpose is something that feels kind of crazy at first. 
Um, so I had to, while it was natural, I think I had to convince myself that it was really the right next step. And um, boy, am I glad I did that. Mm, that's amazing. When yeah. I, um, it's interesting because when I first started my coaching practice, I was working in the corporate arena as a life mm -hmm. coach, working with CEOs and executives <laughs> yeah. who were completely burned out. And it was such, it was, I resonate so much with what you say about that scariness of stepping in, mm -hmm. but what kind of the key piece that I thought was so interesting after working with clients for about a year and a half to two years when I first started was that it all boiled down to a lack of purpose. Yes. Even, you know, even in the CEO world and in the corporate world, like if you aren't waking up with purpose, you're going to feel completely unfulfilled. Yes. At 100%. the end of the day. 100%. It's so true. And I think too, particularly with CEO clients, I'd be interested in hearing your perspective, but sometimes it's hard to convince them that they are disconnected from it because oh. they feel like, I know what my purpose is. Um, and so you have to do a lot of work to, to say, really? Like, then let's talk about how you make decisions from that place. And let's talk about this behavior or this action. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, maybe okay. you're onto something. <laughs> For sure. It's never, it's never on the front end. It's very yeah. rare that that I would have a client that would come to me and say, you know, I'm lacking purpose, right? It always manifests as something else. It manifests as a failed relationship or a decline in health or yeah. burnout. And then once you get to the root to it, of it, you realize that it really is this, it's a lack of purpose and a lack of, right. of internal impact. 100%. So we definitely share that connection of coaching yes. others to align, you know, with their purpose and, the, and their impact in the world and how they show up. And I'm often asked, you know, what it means to be a purpose-driven or an impact-based individual, whether mm -hmm. you are an entrepreneur or in the corporate space. Mm -hmm. But can, I'm interested in your take. Can you break down both of those phrases for yourself so that mm -hmm. we can get, you know, I think it's important for everyone to hear different mm -hmm. perspectives on certain, you know, things that they're going through in their life. So what would you say being a purpose-driven, you know, entrepreneur or purpose-driven corporate leader or an impact-based leader or entrepreneur, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I love that question. I'll start with purpose-driven. Purpose-driven to me means that you have some sense of clarity about your why and that mm -hmm. the driven part is about every action and decision and you know, behavior that comes from you as a leader is connected back to that. And that you've really taken the steps to make sure that your team, one, understands your purpose and understands your why so that they can trust your decisions and actions and words. But secondly, that they're inspired to figure out their own purpose. For me, a purpose-driven leader inspires others to be purposeful. Um, and then lastly, you know, I, my philosophy is that today for business to survive today in this environment, they have no choice but to be purpose-driven. And so purpose-driven leaders are about making sure the organization, however large or complex it is, is also purposeful, that the mm -hmm. brand understands its own purpose and that it's making decisions for its customers and its workforce from a purpose lens. Uh, I think that impact-based is actually then the consequence of being purposeful. I think it's really about the mark that you're leaving on that constituency, on that audience group, 
um, and how you are changing their lives for the better and always having that as your North Star as a leader, whether that's your workforce or your customers, what is it that my purpose is going to do that is in the highest good of this group? I love that so much. There's so much truth to that. Um, Thank you. And I, and I love that really the point that a real purpose-driven leader is someone who helps other people find that purpose within themselves mm -hmm. and tap into that because I feel like that is so lost, especially in leadership positions. Um, and I think it's coming back around, you know, Brene Brown kind of put it on the table yep, <laughs> with, absolutely. Hey, you know, we need to show up and be wholehearted leaders and we need right. to embrace empathy. We need to embrace vulnerability, even in the workplace, which, you know, I feel has been so up until now has been so discounted and kind of suppressed in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Um, but I, I love that you, you brought that out because I think it's so important. And I know that, yeah. You know, today we're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about connection. We're going to talk about emotional intelligence. Um, can you kind of dive into, because emotional intelligence, I speak a lot to as well, but this is kind of a two-part question. Can you speak to your definition of emotional intelligence and also why you feel like emotional intelligence is so important when hiring a team or when leading a team? Yeah, again, I love this question because I give a talk often called Be the Smartest Person in the Room, Cultivating Your EQ. Um, and, you know, I really think to your point about what environment we're in today, you know, leading with emotional intelligence is the key material in creating connectivity. And we need to be connected in order to be impactful. So emotional intelligence really is about one, being able to identify your own emotions and those of others um, to then be able to tell the difference between those feelings and label them appropriately and then allow that awareness to guide your behavior. And I always break emotional intelligence into, or people ask me, how do I get there? Into six buckets. It's empathy, self-awareness, understanding your own values, and then understanding your own boundaries. And then that's when accountability comes in and finally intuition. So we could talk about each of those categories forever, but I think you mentioned empathy. I really believe that being able to understand other people's situation, experience, perspective, without placing yourself in the middle of their story. That's what I always say about empathy. Empathy means that you're really able to dive into where they're at without making it about you. Um, and if you can start from that place and then add a level of self-awareness, which means really investigate how you're feeling, allow yourself to have that feeling, understand the triggers that are causing that feeling so that you can depersonalize a situation and really go into it with clarity about where, where you are and what you need, and then clarity about who you're speaking to, you know, what they need and where they're at. That intersectionality, to me, is displaying emotional intelligence. Mm, yeah. I love that so much. And I love that you broke it down into the different categories, Yeah, which can, can be overwhelming. And we could, honestly, we would probably have to be here for hours if we broke down, <laughs> down each one of those uh, different categories that you talked yeah. about. So my question for you is, where does someone start with that? If you have a leader who already has a team in place, or they're beginning to build a team, 
how do they start to foster that emotional intelligence and that deep connection with their employees if they've never done that before or if it's new to them? Yeah. I think if you've never done it before, you really, I mean, whether you've ever done it before or not, actually, you really need to start with yourself because the most dangerous form of this kind of method is to espouse a lot of things that sound great and not embody them yourself. So it's really important to start with that self-awareness and really examine the way that you act as a leader with your team, your behavior, your words, the ways that you, I always say this, if your employees have to manage your triggers for you, there's a problem. You have to get into intimate relationship with your own triggers and understand what causes you to get angry, what causes you to get frustrated, what is driving your anxiety in that moment so that you can work on that yourself instead of asking others to do that for you. So it really begins with that investigation, which is a lot of what my coaching work is about with executives, is helping them through that process because sometimes that in itself can be, you know, feel very overwhelming. And mm. then from that place, that's when you start to focus on the team, right? What are the dynamics here that I need to reward so that I am driving emotional intelligence as a value that matters? Um, you know, it's things like collaboration. It's things like really rewarding the person that seems very intuitive, um, really rewarding empathetic behavior instead of rewarding, oh, you were the first one to get that sale done or any other kind of competition that makes people feel like they have to work against each other. Hmm. I love that. I mean, and, and that's, I feel like that's just kind of the motto to life too, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, work on yourself first and then allow yourself to step into the space of really being in it with someone else. Because if you haven't done the work yourself, it's going to be really hard to lead and or teach someone to lead from a place of empathy and connection and all of these, you know, the things that we've spoken about up until 100%. now. Yep. Yeah. So if someone has, so another question that I have for you is that from a leadership perspective, um, you know, in the workplace, if somebody starts to adopt this, are there any practices or, you know, I mean, you know, in Brene Brown's book, I think it's Dare to Lead. I think she mm -hmm. speaks about having, you know, weekly check-ins, like weekly empathy check-in meetings as a team. And some people, you know, I've heard, I've heard varying degrees of, hey, this is a good idea. This isn't, this isn't a great idea in regards to that. Are there any sort of tools that you feel like a leader should start to adopt within their team if they are starting to tap into this emotional intelligence, if they've done the work themselves, like where do they take mm -hmm. it to that next step to start to implement it into their team? Yeah, I, I think it's a few things. I think it's, you know, how can you figure out how to delegate some of the responsibility of building a culture of emotional intelligence? You know, look around at your colleagues um, and figure out how do you empower them by just starting with a smaller group and having more honest, vulnerable discussions about how that tight deadline made you feel or how the team seems like they're reacting to something that's happening out in the world and whether a dialogue needs to take place. I think that the you know, really critical piece is it's almost like a concentric circle, building out those rings of people because you're spending the time really having open conversations um, about your own experiences and feelings and holding space for theirs so that they're watching you and then doing the same with their team. 
And I think that kind of ripple effect is really the only most powerful way for showing that it's time to approach things differently. I think the second one is, you know, going back to reward is about accountability. So if you're going to value a more connected, emotionally intelligent team, that means that there are consequences for not behaving in the interest of the team. That means that there are consequences for acting either in a self-interested way or in a way that truly makes others uncomfortable or not want to work with you. Um, unfortunately, because of the way we've been conditioned, those types of performers are the ones that are rewarded right now because they are also probably uh, reaching the goal faster or getting things done faster or seeming like they um, are able to do the job better. And so we've sh shown the light there, whereas these people that actually have natural emotional intelligence don't get that spotlight and therefore um, feel like the value that they bring is not as great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, a lot to be said for that too. Mm -hmm. So a quick question for you. This is kind of a it's kind of a derail and going in a different direction, but I always ask this on the Balance Boss podcast because the whole reason that I started this podcast was to be able for people to really hear from leaders and dreamers and entrepreneurs who are doing the work and who are dedicated to the work and are dedicated to impacting other people along the way, but also understand that yes, work is important, but so is taking care of yourself. So I want to know, what are your self-care non-negotiables that keep you present and centered both at work, but also at home? That's a great question. I think that for me, balance is about being able to bring my whole self into every situation. Um, so one of my self-care rituals is to give myself the allowance to always speak my truth. Mm -hmm. Because when I am hiding something that I think or feel, it uh, weighs on me in a way that, that destroys that balance. I think a little bit more practically, um, I really carve out space for myself throughout the day, you know, to really tune in and say, okay, you need a break. And I'll go, especially now that we're all home, I'll go sit on our porch swing and read for 30 minutes at one in the afternoon. Um, because I've been able to tune into, mm, you're stressed out right now and you just need to disconnect. So I think it's really treating yourself like you would someone that you're caring for and and being able to tune into what you need and giving yourself that without the judgment of what it should look like during the workday, without the judgment of how others are going to perceive that. Um, and then I always, I've also learned this about myself. I need time in the morning to get my brain worrying. I'm sure you can relate, especially as a coach. I've got to be really ready and connected. My energy has got to be up there. And so I don't schedule anything before 10 a.m. if I'm coaching because I know I need time to have my coffee, do my 10-minute meditation, get on that Peloton, you know, really connect with myself so I can get my energy to a place that I'm able to just give it all over to whoever I'm speaking with. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's, I mean, that's the power of having a morning routine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which I know that, and I'm sure that you preach that as a coach too, the way that you start your day really does set the intention for the rest of your day. Absolutely. So and that was, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, that's just really hard sometimes, especially when I was in, you know, corporate America, quote unquote, and I felt like I had to be somewhere at 8 a.m. and I felt like I had to stay there till 8 p.m. That's really easier said than done. I used to hear people say that and I'd say, what? 
how do you do that? And then what I realized is stop saying yes to everything. Create yeah. boundaries for yourself. Understand that if you're going to be here till 7 p.m., you're not showing up until 10 a.m. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Boundaries. We could have a whole nother conversation <laughs> around boundaries. <laughs> you yeah, should probably, absolutely. we should probably do because it's important, not just for yourself, but also in the workplace. It's really important to have boundaries too. Yeah. Which is, you know, another again, another topic right. of conversation. So tell us a little bit about what's next for you. I know that you know, you have quite a bit going on and you as a coach, you're probably, if you're anything like me, you're constantly creating and, and guiding people into new, better versions of themselves. Can you talk a little bit about what you have coming up for you next? Absolutely. I think we're up to a lot of things. The first is really figuring out a, um, you know, a more fluid production kind of environment where we can be putting things out there for people who just want to learn within five minutes, something that they can do for themselves. So, you know, really kind of producing content in a way that's, that's helpful to people and, and consistent. Um, and the other is, you know, I do executive coaching around purpose, but the other half of what I do and what we do as an organization is around chaos and crisis management. And so there's a really great integration of purpose coaching that CEO or that leader, and then working with their other leaders or with the team on building alignment, on building a more inspired culture, on helping them manage a crisis that they're dealing with. And so we're really looking at building out and bolstering that side of our team so that we can continue to come in and be a more holistic approach for the organization and not just focus on the leader. Mm, yeah, that's so important. So, so yeah. important. So where can people find you? Can you talk about, you know, where you are in social and if someone wants to follow you and if they're interested too in bringing you into their corporation or if they're interested in hiring you as a coach, where can they go to do that? Absolutely. Our website gives our offer pretty clearly. So if you want to learn more about that, we're at 822group.com. And then I am on Instagram at Maury Fontanez and on LinkedIn at Maury Fontanez. Awesome. Maury, thank you so much for coming onto the show to talk about this. I think it was so inspiring and helpful, especially I love emotional intelligence. Could talk about it all day. And I think it's so important that people really start to hone in to that and leaning into this vulnerability as a leader. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your heart with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation.